Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get started today, it would be remiss if I didn't talk about the tragic news uh, yesterday um, surrounding Dwayne Haskins and uh, his passing at just 24 years old. Um, just terrible news as, you know, everyone, um, we woke up yesterday and saw what happened um, to Dwayne training in South Florida, um, getting to know Dwayne um when I was in Washington in 2018, just a charismatic individual, worked his tail off. Um, you know, I, I got to know him as the football player, but I also got to know him as as the man um, that he was. And it's just things happen in this in this cruel world sometimes, and we don't understand why. But you know, at 24 years old, um, just wanted to take a minute to. Um, you know, say some, some prayers, make sure you say some prayers for, for Dwayne and, and his family um, through these just tragic, terrible, unthinkable, speechless times. Um, but so, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's hard, but I just wanted to take a minute to to open up this pod and um, make sure, you know, you think of Dwayne today and uh, his family, friends. Um, we got to know him a little bit as a football player. But again, this is this is much deeper than, than football. Uh, this is humanity. And for 24 years old and to see what happened to him um, yesterday is just beyond terrible. And again, prayers up to his family and, and Dwayne, may he rest in peace. And um, whether Washington does something this, you know, this season with a sticker on the helmet or um, a commemorative patch on their jersey or something on the field remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, prayers up to Dwayne and his family during these just terrible times. But want to transition in to our pod today. And a few of the topics I wanted to discuss, um, I want to talk about the importance of the Buffalo nickel roll in Washington's defense and kind of provide some more clarity for you guys out there that are unsure of what that exact position is within Jack Del Rio's defense. I wanted to talk about Daxton Hill's top 30 visit that he had last week and information that was relayed to me from an individual in the building. And that definitely holds some weight considering the spot that is currently open left by Landon Collins in the back end of that defense and within that Buffalo nickel roll. So I want to get started today with talking about the Buffalo nickel spot and the importance that it has within Washington's defense. And you look at the back part of last year and what Landon Collins was able to do near the line of scrimmage for Washington's defense. And, you know, we all knew coming into the year, Washington wanted to kind of transfer him more to that second level defender as a linebacker, working more, coming downhill, filling gaps, whether he's coming through the A and B gaps or, you know, filling on the outside and making plays for TFLs and, you know, uh, plays in space and coverage against running backs, tight ends. Um, Landon Collins did an excellent job at the back end of last year, becoming more comfortable in that role, working more towards the second level of that defense. And the importance of the Buffalo nickel role in Washington's D is it presents Washington with the ability to not only throw a look where they have a base set of three linebackers, but also you have a guy that can roam back to the third level and present some unique cover three looks 
or if they want to run man on the outside, you can slide him over a tight end or just do a lot of different things. And from a technicality standpoint, the Buffalo nickel spot, if you just look at the name, Buffalo nickel, it's a variation of nickel coverage. And typically in nickel coverage, you bring that fifth DB on the field to defend further against the pass and give you a better ability to defend against an aerial attack, bringing on that fifth corner, whether he's on the outside or whether he's just on the inside. But with Buffalo nickel, you're bringing on a fifth safety. So you're bringing a safety on the field. But the thing is, is that you're bringing on a guy that's a little bigger than corner and a little bit smaller than a linebacker. So you're having that prowess and coverage against a guy that's just, you know, bigger than a corner ability to run with those tight ends, run with those running backs or fill over the guy in the slot as a receiver. Or if you're bringing a guy on third and five, third and six, like what Landon Collins did such a nice job of, is a guy that's a little bit bigger and can holster and stack and shed at the second level against the run on, on again, on, you know, mid down and distances on third down where you kind of have to protect against both the run and pass. So think of it as the nickel, you know, running nickel, but it's just a different variation to where instead of bringing on that extra corner, you're bringing on a safety that can play that linebacker role, that can also play as corner, that kind of hybrid that initially last year, Washington thought Cam Curl would be able to do. But the dude is just so darn good at safety. You don't want to move him from there. You want to keep him comfortable. And he worked well, especially towards the middle of the back end of the year when Bobby McCain also got more comfortable. So Landon Collins fit well into that role as that bigger corner, but smaller, quicker linebacker. And then with that, I also wanted to transition into some guys. I talked about them a few pods ago, but some guys that could fill that role this year for Washington. And when they drafted Benjamin St. Juice last year, big 6'3 corner, had some concussion issues last year. And, um, you know, he's healthy now and is expected to be a full go come OTAs and into training camp and and hopefully into week one where he's going to be able to play either CB2, CB3, or flash back to safety a little bit, or even maybe get some snaps at Buffalo Nickel. But in this class, and what I wanted to get to is with Michigan's Dax Hill and coming in for a visit recently last week with Washington. And I know a lot of the talk has been with Kyle Hamilton's slip potentially down to 11 and him coming in. And fill in that role, I think that would be a absolute home run selection, a grand slam, if you will, if he were to be there at 11. But, you know, Washington has, you know, he still has to be their guy. If he's at 11 and they think someone else is, you know, their guy there, whether that's a Chris Olave or Jameson Williams or it's a Derek Stingley, um, they still have to take the guy. But if Hamilton's there, I think you take him, right? And you, and you move on. You turn in his card and you move on. But... With Daxton Hill coming in for a visit, that's notable. And the tea leaves there are that Daxton Hill played the jack position, similar to what Kalik Hudson did for Michigan a few years ago, and what Jabril Peppers did in years prior within that Michigan defense as a guy that can truly work at every single level of the defense. Now, talking to some NFL reps around the league, and they aren't sure exactly where the league sees Daxton Hill lining up from day one in his career, whether that's outside at corner or at safety because of his true alignment versatility. And he showed a lot of pop at corner and then working back in, in single high and doing some split zone stuff for Michigan this year. He does a lot of different things similar to what Hamilton 
and Penn State's Jaquan Brisker will offer you from the safety spot. But a guy that can really come up near the line of scrimmage and make tackles and blow up tunnel screens and blow up blocks near the line of scrimmage on short yardage situations and then drop back and cover a 6-2 wideout man-to-man down the field and be able to make plays on the football, you're not going to find guys like Daxton Hill anywhere. And I'm not sure if he's going to be taken in the back end of the first round or he goes after Jaquan Brisker or George's Lewis sign. But somebody that has that prowess as a cover guy and someone that can defend so well in the run because of his physical NFL-ready frame, really do-it-all defender and that versatile chess piece that every single defense in the NFL needs nowadays. And you look at that Buffalo nickel roll that Del Rio wants within that defense, Landon Collins gone. Not surprised that Washington had Dax Hill in for a visit. And by no means will he be the pick at 11. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington were to potentially trade back from 11, whether they go five or six spots back or they go 10 spots back to get another day two pick. But say they go back to 20 and Pittsburgh wants to come up and get a quarterback and say it's Kenny Pickett. And then you're at 20 and you pick up another day two pick and you want Daxton Hill at 20, that's your guy. He comes in right away and he will start alongside with Cam Curl and Bobby McCain as your free and your strong safeties. Dax Hill will come in and make a ton of plays for you from day one because of that elite athletic profile and experience playing the jack position at Michigan where he did a lot of different things for the Wolverines. Another guy I wanted to talk about and one of my draft crushes in this entire evaluation process and he's much different than Dax Hill. He's bigger, he's stronger than Dax. But Troy Anderson from Montana State is a guy that I will stand on the hill, whether he <laughs> turns into a perennial pro bowler or, you know, unfortunately just doesn't shake out in the league because, you know, whether his athletic profile, he doesn't blossom, he runs into a wrong, he can't find a, a positional scheme that fits his game. Um, but I have a very hard time believing the, you know, any negativity potentially that, you know, he played at Montana State and the competition wasn't there. So he was always the fastest, biggest, strongest guy on the field. And everyone else was just a tick or two or three as an athlete lower than he was. But when he gets you know, besides similar athletes and everyone else is running four threes or four fours. And whether he's trying to cover a tight end that's now six five that runs a four five or a four six, will he be able to cover guys like that? I saw Troy Anderson at the senior bowl covering many of the tight ends that'll probably come off the board first and Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina and Trey McBride out of Colorado State, Greg Dulcich at UCLA. And Troy Anderson was impressive every single day watching him. And then you watch him in team drills and you have guys around him that are similar athletes. You watch him run sideline to sideline and his, you know, the the term that's often coined with these guys is they play with their hair on fire. And Troy Anderson exemplifies that. I think you search up that in Urban Dictionary, you're playing with your hair on fire. It's going to be a picture of Troy Anderson at Montana State. And he's a flat out football player. And I think that's the best way to describe him. And we obviously know that Ron Rivera and his staff love taking athletes from Sam Cosme, Deami Brown, Derek Forrest to prior years and Khalid Hudson out of Michigan that I mentioned earlier when talking about Dax Hill. Troy Anderson is a one-of-one athlete. 
And when you have a guy that's six foot three, you know, two hundred and forty five pounds that runs four four and jumps thirty six inches, and that's an attribute to his explosiveness in his lower half. That's a guy that you want on your football team, and you think that can play all types of different spots for you and do a lot of different things immediately from day one. I think Troy Anderson will be a day two pick, and that's kind of when I talk about earlier with potentially trading back from 11 to get that round two or round three pick to use it on a pick like or a guy like Troy Anderson. That could be an optimal scenario. You grab your receiver in round one, you grab your game-changing linebacker that could potentially fit that Buffalo nickel roll on day two. If you can't get Hamilton or if you can't get Dax Hill or Jaquan Brisker, Troy Anderson in round two, I don't think he'll slip past round two because the NFL loves tools and Anderson is absolutely dripping with potential and dripping with traits. But you plug him into an active, young, fast, physical, aggressive Washington front seven, you ask him to do a lot of different things, he'll be able to come in and do that right away. And I absolutely love the fit, whether it's Hamilton, whether it ends up being a guy like Anderson or Dax Hill, they need somebody to fill that role right away. And a couple pods ago, I talked about Klee Hudson. I talked about Derek Forrest. If they could fill that role, those are two athletes with experience at safety and kind of that hybrid linebacker spot, especially with Hudson when he was at Michigan and then Forrest at Cincinnati. Two guys that could challenge for that spot this year if Washington doesn't want to go the route of a hybrid guy. But someone like Anderson plugging him into a even front defense. And when I say even front, I mean, obviously, you know, four guys, four defensive linemen. If I say odd front, that's three guys. But in Washington's even front defense, and you have Young and Sweat on the outside and anchored by Payne and Allen in the middle, and you got a young athletic core right now and Damon Davis and Cole Holcomb, and you got athletes on the back end and, and Cam Curl, and you're expecting more in year two in Washington's D from William Jackson and potentially they slide in Kendall Fuller if they get another guy on the outside that they like or Benjamin St. Juice becomes that CB2 in camp. You're starting to play with fire here and you're starting to really starting to cook him with gas and getting some athletes that can make plays. And we know how pass happy the NFL has become and it's become a league where defenses primarily work in sub. And you're constantly having five DBs on the field. And I talked about the importance of the Buffalo nickel roll. You need guys that can do it all, defend in the run and then drop your hips, find some space and make some plays in the football in the pass. And there are plenty of options in this draft on all three days. Washington needs a guy to fill that role, whether it's inside the building or they're going to get a guy in the draft. It's I don't think it's going to be in free agency. I don't see them making a run on a guy like Tyron Matthew who's still on the market but you need somebody that can fill that role right away moving into this year and Dax Hill, Kyle Hamilton, Troy Anderson are my three ideal fits for that role moving into this fall. So swaying from the defensive side of the ball I wanted to hop over the other side and talk a little bit about a topic we haven't talked about yet on the pod and that's the running back class and we saw the old okie doke that JD McKissick pulled this offseason on the Buffalo Bills and I, for one, uh, expected JD back. Everything I heard out of that building was he was going to be back. And when he initially signed with the Bills, it was kind of a gut punch considering the fact that kid was so damn effective for Burgundy and Gold this past year, especially when Antonio Gibson was putting the ball on the ground and JD was coming in and 
rushing the ball on, on early downs and having some pop. And then obviously we know how effective he is out of the backfield catching passes and making plays down the field, making guys miss an open space. But having him back with Antonio Gibson, um, I wanted to talk about Kenneth Walker running back from Michigan State and Brees Hall running back from Iowa State, two guys that are challenging right now to be RB1 and RB2 off the board. And Washington had them both in for visits recently, two guys with top 30 visits. And when I say top 30, I also want to clarify every NFL team has, they can bring in as many as 30 guys for visits. So when I say top 30, they can bring in 30 guys for visits and they chose two of those guys to be Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. And Kenneth spent two days at the facility last week talking with Ron Rivera, talking with running backs coach Randy Jordan, working with Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator. They're going to ease they're you know, both those guys aren't going to come off the board day three. You know, they're not going to be round four guys. These guys are going to be early second round picks. Two talents that have shown plenty of pop on film. I think there's a lot of scrutiny surrounding Brees Hall and the kind of mixed reviews with his film and the potential that he'll have, whether he's an immediate RB1 at the next level or a complimentary back as an RB2, but much more than a just change of pace. Now he has that downhill style of run, but also the necessary footwork and agility to squeeze in between the tackles and make plays in, in open space as well. I don't see Washington taking one of those guys considering the depth start that they have right now and the workload of both Gibson and McKissick. And then you look at the guys behind Gibson and McKissick and it's Jarrett Patterson who's a UDFA from Buffalo last year who showed some decent pop even in the preseason and working at the back end of last year. Guy that works his tail off. He's undersized, kind of that Boston Scott, Tariq Cohen kind of frame. Um, But a guy that can make some plays. And then Jonathan Williams, as well, kind of an unknown that came on the latter portion of last year. And, you know, doesn't matter that you're looking at his name, say, who the heck is Jonathan Williams? Duke can flat out play football and, and tote the rock. And I really enjoyed watching Jonathan back on film a couple days ago and seeing what he had as a runner. But I just, right now, I don't see Washington using a, a day two pick on a Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. I think. Obviously, the interest is there. Having them there, especially Kenneth, for multiple days in Ashburn, it says something. Um, but Antonio Gibson still young. J.D. McKissick is a guy that is going to have a massive role, not just on third downs. But if Antonio Gibson continues to put the ball on the ground, which we saw a lot last year, even starting in week one against the Chargers, where I don't even want to talk about it. You know, what happened there with, with inside you know, their own 10 trying to go and win the ball game. But both those guys are going to have major roles this year. I'm not sure how much of a role Jarrett or Jonathan will have, whether one of those guys ends up being on the practice squad or they end up you know, being a cut right after camp. But I think the Burgundy Gold have their two guys in town that they want, uh, you know, toting the rock on early downs and Antonio Gibson having that massive workload and working into last year when Scott Turner was saying, oh, you know, we think Antonio Gibson may have that workload similar to what Christian McCaffrey had in Carolina. And I think we've seen kind of the workload affect McCaffrey in Carolina, his inability to stay healthy. But Gibson as that bigger physical back and so much experience out at wideout when he was at Memphis. And I think he's still learning the running back position. He still has a long way to go 
and understanding the optics and the intricate details of the running back position and carrying the ball 25, 30 times a game and then you know, catching potentially five to seven balls and getting a lot of targets in the passing game because Washington is going to sling it around this year. You got a guy in Carson Wentz that can not just hit the intermediate areas with some zip, but also deliver the ball 40, 45 yards down the field with some accuracy and put some points on the board. So the interest surrounding Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker is interesting. I think it's notable. Um, if they do take a guy on day two, I think that should raise eyebrows for Antonio Gibson, especially. But I just don't see it happen. I don't. I don't think that's a good way. I don't think it's a good path of business right now for for Washington, considering their depth chart at the position. If there's one position that they're okay at, I think it's running back with with Gibson and McKissick. Um, and the, and you know, look at Kenneth's skill set and Brees' skill set. It doesn't. It's not overpowering, potentially, considering the fact that the running back's coming in next year to where those guys are going to go. Round one, a lot in high in round two. I wrote an article recently previewing that absolutely stacked running back class in 2023 over at the draftnetwork.com. But as far as running backs go for Washington, I just don't see them you know, expending an asset on a running back in this year's class. And anything changes, I obviously you know, let you guys know. You can also follow me on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler for all news. And I'm here on outside of that building, whether it's top 30s, information going into you know into camp or into the season but it's, it's just not a way you know not a path that i see washington exploring right now all right guys that is going to do it for today's episode as always i appreciate you listening in leave a like share review subscribe we're on apple podcasts we are on spotify again you can find me on twitter underscore ryan fowler and all of my work is housed over at the draftnetwork.com we're just a few weeks away now from the NFL draft, we're getting closer and closer to showtime. I know you guys are excited, as am I. Again, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy your week. Hope you guys had a great weekend. And I will see you next time on Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.